1: It's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable.
0: You're listening to the Average Conservationist Podcast, brought to you by Go Hunt and in partner with 2% for Conservation. Sign up to become a Go Hunt Insider today at GoHunt.com. Getting 2% certified means you've made the same commitments as popular brands like Sitka, First Light, Stone Glacier, and Seek Outside in giving at least 1% of time and dollars back to Fish and Wildlife. But it's not just for outdoor companies. Breweries, contractors, coffee roasters, and even piano repair companies have earned 2% certification and stand out as leaders in their communities for doing so. Businesses that are committed to conservation deserve your business when you shop. Learn more about 2% for conservation at fishandwildlife.org that's fishandwildlife.org. What's up everyone? I hope that wherever you're at and wherever you're listening from that springtime is is in full force and that you're able to get outside and enjoy some of this beautiful weather that we're having. Um, welcome to the Average Conservationist podcast and I'm your host Marcus Ewing. Today on the podcast, I am joined by Allie Knapp, and Allie is the president of 2% Certified Wisetail. And for those of you not familiar with Wisetail, it is a software company uh, that specializes really in turning companies into communities through their software platform that they have. Um, So Allie and I get to take a deep dive into that and really get a better understanding of what Wisetail is. Um, and how her clients uh, and the companies that use it uh, really um, benefit from it and how they're able to really bring the culture uh, of the company, um, you know, into kind of one symbiotic place and how they're able to really utilize that <clears throat> for, for their employees. Uh, Allie, uh, like myself is, is born and raised here in Michigan, uh, so we get to get a chance to kind of talk about that and you know the beauty that is Michigan and, and what it is that we love about it. Um, Allie also gives us a good uh, kind of look into Wise Tail and their employees and why you know conservation is so important to them. I mean they're located there in Bozeman, Montana, um, like uh, a lot of the other past guests and past companies uh, that we have had on uh, are located as well. So they have some cool things kind of put in place there uh, in the companies on you know, how they're utilizing or, or some some programs, I guess, uh, for people, for employees that are utilizing um, the trail system and, and things like that uh, around their offices and they're in Bozeman. And they take a really cool approach um, to conservation as well in terms of company or, excuse me, in terms of organizations that they're giving their time back to. Um, they like to... Uh, talk to their employees, find out what's important to them, what they're passionate about in terms of the outdoors and conservation and really uh, be able to give back to, to what they really love, um, which I think is just a great idea. Um, you know, the more that you get your employees involved and the more that they feel like they're a part of the process, um, you know, I think the, the better the outcome is going to be. Uh, Allie also tells us a cool story about uh, a trip that she had last year up to Alaska, uh, and then really kind of what she has in store for the outdoors um, this year. So really fun conversation, a little bit out of the box uh, in terms of some of the other companies that we've talked to, but I always love to hear um, how companies are putting an emphasis on conservation regardless of the space that they're in. So episode 43, Allie Knapp, enjoy everyone. All right. On the line with me today, I have the president of Two Percent Certified Wise Ally Allie Knapp. Allie, how are you?
1: I'm doing well today. How are you?
0: I'm doing well, thank you. I know we've had a had a chance to to talk for a few minutes <clears throat> before we started recording here, and I I know how busy your schedule is and everything like that. So I appreciate you being able to squeeze me in.
1: Absolutely happy happy to be here.
0: Yeah. So this is so. Having um, you on and the company that you work for, Wise Tail, this is it's kind of out of the box in terms of a lot of the companies that I, I've had on in the past. A lot more are kind of directly related to the outdoors or there's a, a very easy way to see how they're associated with the outdoors and, and why conservation and everything is, is so important to them. So I, I'm really looking forward to, to hearing more about Wise Tail and, you know, why conservation is, is so important to, to you guys over there.
1: Great, hey, great. Hey. Yeah.
0: So, first things first, Allie, tell me, you know, what it is that you love about the outdoors.
1: Ooh, that's that's a great question. Uh, I love I love the feeling of just you know being in the mountains. I think it's a time where you can truly disconnect from the craziness of, of the world that we live in today, and I really uh, see the outdoors as kind of this antithesis of what it is that i do every day in my in my work and so it's uh the outdoors is just an opportunity to um experience kind of more of that raw um truly out there uh you know uh hold on a second no you're
0: good you're good it's I, i find a lot of times that like when you're when you kind of put on the spot, at least for the first question or two, like you have all these thoughts and everything like that and you're trying to figure out how to articulate it and you know that we're recording so you're like, oh my gosh, and then you kind of start to panic in your own head and everything. So no, yeah. you are fine. Take your time. You're good.
1: Okay, okay. Yeah, sorry about that. Okay, all right. So what it is that I... So I'll, I'll kind of circle back. What it is that I love about the outdoors. I love, uh, I love being outside and I love just experiencing, uh, the outdoors and, and especially I especially most recently, like really love the draw that the, the mountains have and, and that pool, uh, whether it's exploring it on my skis or, um, through hunting or, um, trail running or like whatever that is, it's a feeling of completely disconnected from the craziness and the, and the life, the, the, technology that i'm living in you know in in what i almost consider like this other life
0: yeah no and that's that's a great way to to kind of explain it and describe it because yeah there's so many people that i talk to that they they look at the outdoors as as like you just said like it's a way to disconnect to get away from everything and just really immerse yourself in in nature and just it's it's amazing the things that you notice when you're you know, when you're in the mountains or when you're just on a trail ride or a hike or something that you would probably never, ever get a chance to, to see or to witness. But when you just allow yourself to kind of be one with the area and your surroundings, it's uh it's quite, it's quite incredible the things that you come across.
1: Yes. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. It's the, it's that, you know, feeling of, of noticing things you wouldn't normally notice and, and just you know taking the the opportunity to just like let things go and and really take in the spot that you're in and i think that so much of our lives are spent like racing from one thing to another mm-hmm. but the second you like disconnect and are able to just be outside and take that in things slow down a lot and i love Um, That feeling of being able to slow down a bit and really appreciate the the space that that I'm in when I'm when I'm outside.
0: Yeah, that's that's very well put. Now, uh, Wise Tail is based there in Bozeman, but as we spoke about before we started recording, you, much like myself, are a native Michigander. So tell me how it is that you went from from Michigan. And landed in Montana because I know so many people, myself included, that were in Michigan and every time I'm, I'm in the mountains or I'm out west, I'm always like, I just, I don't want to leave, right? I just, I, I the, the allure of the mountains, I mean, I, it's, it's such a real thing that people talk about. So tell me how you landed um, in Montana there.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I will, I'm a proud Michigander. I love Michigan. As you uh, should be. <laughs> so, so it is it is home uh, for me, uh, but I made it. So after graduating, so I graduated from uh, MSU, the, the real MSU. There's an MSU out in- Yeah, Minnesota. not
0: Montana State. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah,
1: so graduated and um, a proud Sparty. And I, after graduation, went out to California To Cupertino area, I I lived in San Francisco and then and then commuted down. um, So kind of that tech hub area, and it was crazy. It was it was a great experience. I wouldn't take it back for anything. But uh, I spent a lot of time trying to get out of the city. Whether that was you know just go up and try to ski in Tahoe or you know try to learn to surf and go down to Santa Cruz. Right. I always found that I was trying to kind of escape the city, and so. With the job I was with, I had the opportunity to move uh, to Colorado, Uh, and so I shifted and and moved to Colorado, and I spent a couple years in Colorado and just you know, fell in love with the mountains there, spent a lot of time kind of – I grew up ski racing, but got back into skiing when I was in Colorado, and it was an opportunity to just be able to go and ski on the weekends, and I loved it, and I just wanted – kind of more of that um, mountain life and um, actually ended up meeting my, t- taking a trip back to Green Bay, Wisconsin um, and meeting my uh, significant other that I have now um, who was living in, in Bozeman. And so uh, we, w- uh, yeah, I met him and, and that kind of drew me to, to Bozeman and uh, have been here for about eight and a half years now.
0: Yeah, well, it's, it's it's definitely a great spot to land for sure. Now, growing up in Michigan, in, in northern Michigan, and and as we realized, not too far from from one another, where I grew up, is that where you really kind of got your first uh, introduction to the outdoors?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, growing up in northern Michigan, we did all of the the outdoor things that you you would expect. You know, we camped. I you know rode bikes and. I grew up ski racing, like I said, and so spent a a lot of time skiing and um, around the water in the summer. So I just felt like, you know, had the opportunity to just, you know, kind of gain an appreciation for that at a pretty young age, which I'm I'm very grateful for.
0: Yeah, there's something about summer, especially and well, fall and summer, um, specifically in northern Michigan, that it's really hard for someone who hasn't experienced it to to understand like how great michigan is because i think a lot of people think about michigan and their first thought is detroit and it tends to get a bit of a bad rap but yeah. there's so many gorgeous places and awesome things to do in michigan if you just take the time um to look for them and obviously you grew up in an area where there's just there's tons of outdoors and i mean sleeping bear dunes there's just so much natural beauty um in that you know northwest part of lower Michigan that. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's one thing that keeps me coming back. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think there are so many spots in, and, and maybe I'm a little partial to Northern Michigan, <laughs> but, uh, but in Northern Michigan where you could take a photograph and people would, would never guess that yeah. that was Michigan to your point. Like a lot of people, when you say Michigan, they think of Detroit and there's just, there's so much beauty in that state. Um, it's, it's, really it's quite amazing and and also the upper peninsula too like there's so much um to explore there uh so yes it i think that especially the the summers you you can't beat a a summer in in northern michigan that's for sure
0: yeah yeah the great lakes are there i'll I'll take the great lakes over almost anything it's it's hard to it's hard to beat that
1: yes over any ocean for sure yeah Worry about the salt water and yeah, all of that.
0: Yeah. And, and everything that lies beneath there, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: true.
0: So I want to get into WiseTail because, uh, you know, as I mentioned, WiseTail is, is is different from a lot of the companies um, that I've had on before. So so tell me what it is that, um, what exactly WiseTail is and what they do and what they um, what they offer.
1: Yeah, for sure. So at WiseTail, we token ourselves as uh, turning companies into communities And we do this through a digital uh, platform that hosts training and communication content. So clients buy our software to basically communicate uh, with their either employees or partners or customers. And they build out this, this platform that looks and feels like their company. And then they push a lot of information and training um, through that platform. And so we work with companies uh, all over the U.S. um, and kind of varying different industries. We really started um, in the restaurant industry and have grown into kind of retail fitness and are now um, even kind of expanding further um, beyond that. But it's, uh, yeah, it's a training and communication platform that's very easy to use it's it's um focused at kind of that millennial and, and gen z or, uh age group and uh it's a it's a pretty slick little platform
0: yeah no so i obviously with with the podcast and i spend a lot of my time on two percent's website fishandwildlife.org, and and it has all of the business members listed on there who are two percent certified um and i knew that eventually we would get a chance to sit down and talk and so i was looking at wise tail and you know i have seen the name and and i knew of the company and then maybe two months ago or so i was um using mountain tough fitness i was using one of their apps or using some of their workouts and i just happened to look in my um uh, web browser and Mm i saw dot wise tail on there i was like oh okay like this makes a little bit more sense
1: yes yes uh so one of the other two percent companies, Mountaintop, is a client and has been a client for a handful of years. And so they are a fitness company that delivers, like you were saying, their their, you know, fitness training packs um through our site and you can do um and you can access it on your phone or kind of, you know, whatever works for your workout routine.
0: So now obviously with the with kind of the way like the past year has gone in and- so many more people i guess like working from home uh, but companies obviously still need to uh, stay in business or add employees have you found that that's kind of been beneficial to a degree for you guys where you're having a lot where it's much easier uh, for onboarding and for training and things like that when they have a, a central location that they can that they can use for the new employees especially if you know they're not able to to spend time in an office when they first come on board
1: yes yeah absolutely so we've seen i mean I would say that as a lot of companies in 2020 kind of saw a little bit of like, maybe, uh, you know, turbulence in Mm. the March and April timeframe and kind of saw a little bit of a pause there. We kind of saw, you know, similar things being in the restaurant retail and fitness space. Those were all areas that kind of got hit pretty hard. um, But then as we kind of fast forward and go to like the fall and now the beginning of 2021, or yeah 2021 it's just been such a focus for companies across the board to ensure that their whether it be employees or customers what that they have a digital community for them to access and so over the past 6 months it's been pretty crazy for us and i can say i'm just you know very grateful i know that it's it's you know the pandemic has been hard on a lot of businesses and um, we've been very fortunate to, you know, have clients that have grown with us, and, and a lot of new clients that have signed on and are really working to to really build out that digital community for their team members. And like you were saying, you know, you might not be able to onboard in person right mm-hmm. now; it's not a, a possibility. And so uh, that's just it's been very very beneficial for us and I hope that we are are helping these companies in turn too right and kind of create that
0: yeah absolutely so kind of take me through uh, if you can like what what the process looks like for um, I know you said you kind of started in the restaurant industry so if you is it something that's kind of more tailored to um, like chain style restaurants or just you know kind of one-offs or you know what does that process look like when, when you get a new customer on board?
1: Yeah, yeah. So we definitely did um, start in the the restaurant space. Our first client was uh, the Cheesecake Factory. And it actually, yeah, the platform kind of started as almost a custom build um, for that, uh, for the Cheesecake Factory, but then, um, you know, developed over time and was built into a full, you know, software as a service platform. But really, our technology is ideal for companies that, Probably you know have at least twenty locations and are looking to grow. Um, pretty you know looking to grow their location count and really we're helping them to provide consistency location to location as well as like you know a lot of companies now their differentiator is their culture their their service model things like that. And so they're training and, and putting a lot of that material through our site to make sure that there's that consistent experience across all of their locations.
0: Yeah, and that's I mean, I I don't own a, a chain or have nor have I worked for a chain, but yeah, I, I know that just going from like if, if I'm just gonna use an example like like you just mentioned the Cheesecake Factory there, that you want the if you go to one here in Michigan or if you go to one in Montana or California, wherever, like you want that. There's there's an experience that you come to expect, and I'm sure on their side of the house they want to make sure that that I wouldn't notice a difference regardless of the location that I went into. So I can see how that would be super beneficial to have, you know, um, locations across the country, but you're, the the customers are saying the same things about each and every one of them.
1: Exactly, exactly, and it's really it's that the magic of being able to deliver for each brand to deliver on their customer promise right because exactly what you said like you want that experience and you know one of our other clients is soul cycle you want that soul cycle experience that you had in new york city at maybe you know one of their top locations to be exactly the same as you know when you go into the dallas location and we you know as consumers we we know what we want and we want we, we definitely want that consistency and so we really uh, try to help our clients create that. Yeah.
0: So, what is like the time frame look like from the time you get someone on board until the time you're able to really uh, tailor make a the, the package that best suits um, their company?
1: It takes us on average about ten weeks to go from the platform uh, that you know you just spin up kind of uh, that that skeleton to a spot where they're ready to launch it to their, you know, to their end users is it's typically on average about 10 weeks, but then it's really like building it out from there further too. Um, so it, it definitely looks different per client, but, um, within 10 weeks, we feel like we can really, um, get something that's very valuable for, for the client.
0: Yeah. And then I'd imagine like any, any service, uh, in a, in a far, far past, um, uh, career of mine, I worked for a software company doing sales and stuff like that. So I understand how it, 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 I kind of understand things on the whole, right? Where you you have a package that's, the package is the same for everyone, but then it's obviously tailor-made towards the company. But then, you know, maybe at like the 14 or the 16 week mark, it may look, you know, a lot different and a lot more refined than maybe at the 10 week mark, because you start to understand, how the company really can utilize it how the employees you know maybe any feedback that you're getting from them so i can i can see how it's almost like an ever evolving and ever changing thing as, as time goes on
1: yes yeah and we have clients that have been with us for you know 7 8 years and they've been in this you know the same platform that they've continued to evolve over time and we've helped them you know, to do complete rebrands on those sites and to, you know, maybe add, we, we call them widgets, but basically different puzzle pieces in the site, kind of turn them on and off to just, you know, make that experience different for the people that are coming into the site so that it draws them back um, to that experience. They, they're looking forward to something they're, you know, excited to see change or, or, you know, additional communication coming out, different photos, that sort of thing. So, we really like. Um, I find our platform to be most successful when it's looked at as like another social media channel. So if you're going to, you know, post to your Instagram or your LinkedIn as a company or those different um, social calendars, like we also like them posting out um, on our site as well because it just keeps it it keeps it fresh.
0: Yeah. So now. <clears throat> How scalable is something like this? I mean, I know when we talked about um, like the restaurant industry, for example, where you were looking at um, companies or brands that, you know, let's say have roughly 20 locations and want to, you know, grow out. But then I think about something like Mountain Tough, where, you know, it's, it's just one location, but they have, you know, thousands of users. So, I mean, how, how does that work for, you know, let's just say like a, you know, a single brick and mortar type location?
1: Yeah, so single brick and mortar location, it's probably uh, hard to. Oh, I, I guess I guess kind of the change in in mountain top. Hold on, I was thinking like a single location. If you weren't, you know, building out a full, you know, web based piece as well, that would be tough. It'd be tough to support okay. a, a single location. Really, probably more on that 20 location mark is kind of where we start to see that people invest in the platform but if you're trying to build out more in that b2c space which is where Mountain Tough is and that's really building this full um consumer community where right. individuals log in i mean it's very very scalable in that aspect and so you know um, Mountain Tough started as a, a small community and really I mean like you said they've grown to thousands of users um, in in a pretty short period of time and and you know the pandemic also increased their user count quite significantly um, but we definitely our software as a service with a very scalable um, back end model so we can uh, work with companies and, and tailor it down to the smaller location count but then um, you know, we work with companies like uh, Caribou Coffee, Einstein Brothers, um, so chains that have um, thousands of locations throughout the U.S. and and have hundreds of thousands of employees uh, logging in. So it's really uh, kind of you can scale it way up or or um, really get make it you know start um, to to build your business. So
0: okay, all right, no, that that makes complete sense. Now, when I was looking on the website earlier, uh, it looks like you kind of have like two different, I don't know, you're going to have to correct me if I butcher this, but you have two Mm -hmm. different like models or like platforms. So you have the learning management system and then the learning experience platform. Is that right? Correct. Yep. Okay. So what is the difference between the two?
1: Yeah. So the learning experience platform is really, um, pulls in a lot of social aspects. So Um, You can think of learning management as kind of the standard, maybe it's a little bit more compliance driven, you're entering in, and I think of it as you're a little bit more in a learning silo, you're going in to complete more compliance driven training that you just kind of have to do. Um, And, you know, some companies kind of start in that space, and then they start to open the platform up because it's very configurable. So you can think of it as like your LMS is kind of your starting spot, and then Learning Experience Platform is essentially uh, that would be fully configured with all of the social features on. So Learning Experience would pull in full profile feeds. It would have you know communication communication woven all through the site. Um, ability for the learners to actually share to their experience and upload photos and different things like that. So learning experience is really around like fully engaging that learner and kind of every aspect and letting them be a part of that learning experience where the LMS is a little bit more of that standard learning where it's a little bit more top down.
0: Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, so it sounds like the the uh, the learning experience, like that's just like one step further and really kind of taking things to the next level there. And it seems like um, that would be a platform that would be more used by maybe like uh, companies that maybe have like a younger demographic or a younger employee base, something like that, especially like you mentioned with the social media tying into it because I mean, let's, let's be serious. Social media is is what so many people spend their time doing anymore.
1: Yes, exactly. Exactly. And I mean, Uh, most of the progressive companies that we're working with, like they're going to lean a little bit farther on that learning experience because they're like, yeah, our employees are, you know, 17 to 21. They spend most of their time on, you know, Instagram or whatever that is. So we want to have our training be something that they're actually engaged in, like want to spend time doing. And so we definitely see a little bit more of the learning experience you know, hitting that 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 younger demographic and, and companies that are pretty pretty progressive, uh, and and also we will meet the company wherever it is along the journey. So we have the ability to kind of configure um, different social aspects off or on in the in in the platform to just make it really fit their need.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's <clears throat> I I can totally see that. Now I probably should ask this when I first, when we first started talking about the company, but where did the idea for wise Tailor, or how did like the company um, really come to be? Because how, how does it uh, like eight years, nine years, something like that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I've been with the company for seven years and our founder, um, he, he's actually Bozeman native as well. Uh, our as well. I'm not, but <laughs> <laughs> um, he is a Bozeman native um, and he, Uh, actually spent some time out in the Bay Area and was really drawn to come back uh, to Montana. And his wife owned different spas within Montana. So owned one in Bozeman, owned one in Missoula, and a couple other spots within Montana. And I think they had four locations at the time, and they were trying to figure out how the the same challenge that i you know starbucks says the cheesecake, all those pieces right it's like how do we scale um what we're trying to do here how do we train our employees and so the like very very initial start um the the platform was was written for uh justin's uh wife's company um and it wasn't written as a as a platform or software service or even started as a business or anything like that but they kind of used it a little bit internally and then a couple of different people within montana were just like hey that seems interesting that seems interesting and then they basically developed wisetail and started it and then started selling and were able to um to like i said get the cheesecake factory on as one of the first clients and that's really kind of how it progressed from there but it started as kind of a homegrown from the garage, you know, typical tech story. So
0: yeah, and it uh, like like all great companies and, and all great technology, I think it, it it arises from from a need, right? Like you see you see a problem. Okay, how can I fix this? How can I be more streamlined, more efficient? Like what's what's the best way to do this? And then you know, lo and behold, here we are. I mean, so that's that's a cool story, and, and especially you know when when a guy was just doing it when Justin. Um, the founder, the he just okay. How can I help make this a better experience for my wife? Right, like how can I help her with her company and her business? And you know, eight years later, nine years later, here we are with you know the Cheesecake Factory and and all these other you know really big um, brands that I saw on the website.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a neat story.
0: Yeah, so being located there in Bozeman, obviously, it's kind of uh, a mecca really for a lot of outdoorsmen and outdoors women and anyone that loves to spend time out there. So do you guys have a lot of employees that spend a lot of their time in the outdoors as well?
1: Absolutely. I think it is a big draw um, for, you know, people that are working at uh, Wise Till or one of the other um, tech companies that are in Bozeman. We kind of have a little bit of a tech uh, hub um, within Bozeman and that's definitely growing. And I think it's very much an attraction. I think, you know, circle back even before I moved to Bozeman. I mean, if we go 10 years back or or further, I think um, Bozeman has always been a draw for people that are really, really into the outdoors and and since that the town has just seen so much growth because of that. I think it's because of the attraction it has and the proximity it has to the outdoors.
0: Yeah, I had uh, a few weeks ago, I had a, a realtor who's 2% certified on from, she's from Bozeman. And yeah. we kind of talked about really the market, the, the, the market there, the housing market, and how things have just kind of exploded over the last 10 to 12 years and how, you know, just like we were talking about like the uh, the cost of living, like the, the, the pricing for housing. And it's just, it, it's, inc- it's incredible.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it's crazy. And and as a lot of other areas saw last year, I mean, last year was just you know we saw so much of that flood to get out of some of the more urban areas and come to uh, to you know Bozeman. Which uh, I mean, I, I believe growth is good. You know, we I I'm not not native to Montana either, so I you know I'm not one of the like you know.
0: Yeah. Don't at, come here, sort of thing. So. Yeah, and at any point you can come back to Northern Michigan, and it'll be just as beautiful as when you left. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no. When I asked you that question about your employees, I mean, I can't imagine anyone living in Montana or in that area that doesn't love the outdoors, right? Like every time I think of someone that I hear that lives from Montana, I'm like, oh, I bet you they fly fish. I bet you they ski. I bet you they, you know, mountain bike, whatever it is. Like I just, I can't see living in an area with that much you know, opportunity to get out and recreate and not taking advantage of it.
1: Yes, agreed. And it, it's literally, you know, we're kind of in a remote setting right now. We're not spending as much time as, at our offices as we were, um, but we are right at the base of a trail system. So we can literally walk out our office door and be, you know, be on the trails. And I think that that's, it's pretty unique and um, it is definitely a draw
0: oh yeah I, that's that's definitely a uh, a good recruiting tool for for someone to come and work for Widale definitely
1: yes yeah we uh i think it i think it really helped the i think the proximity to the outdoors and just you know Bozeman in general was really um helped us recruit talent um through through you know the access that it has to not only like public lands, but just like open spaces and trails and yeah. It's-
0: yeah. So that kind of brings me to the next thing that I wanted to talk about. Um, obviously one of the reasons um, that we're able to sit down and talk here is WiseTail is a 2% certified company.
1: Mm-hmm. So,
0: so tell me, how did you first learn about 2% for conservation?
1: Well, I, you know, I'm trying to think of, of the initial, initial engagement there and i do think it might have been through one of our employees um, that was was connected to two percent and just you know knew that as a company we kind of our foundation we've always you know had conservation top of mind but but maybe hadn't made like that set two percent commitment and so i think one or a couple of our employees kind of brought it forward and were like hey this is something we should look into. And I think that's where we um, kind of explored it further and realized like, this is a really good a really good organization to be a part of.
0: So. Yeah. And I think that that definitely helps. Um, I mean, obviously, uh, 2% is located there in the Bozeman area. Um, so that, that certainly helps having someone or, you know, and there's just a, a, a slew of companies uh, right there in the greater Bozeman area that are all 2% certified. Um, So what are some of the companies or the organizations, excuse me, some of the organizations um, that WiseTail is giving back to in terms of conservation?
1: Yeah. So a big one for us is GVLT. um, So Gallatin Valley Land Trust. Um, We've partnered with them for a very, very long time. Um, uh, Wild Sheep Foundation is another um, organization that we've um, given uh, quite significantly to. And then uh, we one Montana um, is also one wolf, and uh, and Grizzly Discovery Center is another one, and and that um, what is a pretty unique relationship. One that we actually did an in-kind donation of our platform um, to to the Wolfman um, Discovery Center, which is out of it's a uh, out of Yellowstone Park, and so yeah, yeah, so I was actually
0: yeah, I was there this summer with the kids, absolutely.
1: Okay. Okay, cool. Okay, so we're helping them with some of their um, with their some of their technology and being able to kind of you know have some learning modules for uh, visitors to go through and just learn a little bit more in that center. And so that was um, kind of a, a unique one. And then uh, one Montana is another organization that we've um, we've partnered very close with. And there's a there's a few other um, kind of like smaller uh, county organizations that we've given to too. We like to put surveys out to our employees and kind of ask annually, like, where do you where do you want us to to donate to? What would resonate um, with you? Uh, so that's kind of how we go about donating.
0: Yeah. So two things there. One, I think that that's awesome that you guys are um, actively um, engaging with your employees and, and finding out, you know, what's important to them, what what they want to engage with, what. Um, you know what causes like you just said are kind of near and dear to them the things whether it's um, you know like GVLT which I've I've had more than one person um, on the podcast that's talked about supporting them it's I know that Jared Frazier the executive director he's very big with GVLT um, uh, Sarah Day the realtor that I mentioned before she's um, a member I think on the board there um, so yeah it's, it sounds like a, a great organization to, to be giving back to.
1: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And they do so much for the trail system within, I mean, within Bozeman and, and, and beyond really, but I mean, as I mean, our employees use the trails all the time as well. So I feel like that's one uh, that is just important for us to, to continue to donate to. And we have something that we call a hot lap program, where if you actually do a basically it's a 5k loop on a GVLT trail and you record that we have in our system you can go in and record like yes I did this then we'll donate a dollar for that lap as well as give a dollar to GVLT for that lap as well as give you um, a token to go get a beer or cider from one of the local breweries so
0: oh man sign me up for that if if all I have to do is just make a lap to get a beer
1: yeah, it's pretty. i would be out much. there
0: making laps all day. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah.
0: So, so you kind of answered it, but how was it like, like the GVLTO? I mean, that one, that one makes perfect sense, especially with a lot of employees that enjoy the trail systems and everything in the the greater Bozeman area. There, but how was it that you landed on some of the other organizations that you guys are giving back to?
1: A lot of it was employee driven. So you know, through through different, we actually put it out to vote. Um, And so a lot of it came through really where our employees wanted to see, you know, those funds go. And then I would say maybe a little bit earlier on, it was probably um, more of just like who had a connection with, Mm -hmm. you know, a specific organization or that sort of thing. But since we've been with 2%, we've really tried to um, put put the vote out to to our employees.
0: Yeah. And 2% is so great about that too, especially – um, if you have questions about, you know, maybe like if you look at it from a, from a time standpoint, right. Because you, 1% of the time, 1% of your money, um, you know, where, especially, um, there in Bozeman, like where can you help donate your time locally? Like what, what organizations maybe have a cleanup or, or need an extra set of hands for, um, some type of project. So it's, it's a great kind of sounding board to be able to, you know, help fulfill your hours and, and give back, uh, especially at a local level there.
1: Definitely, definitely. And our team, we would love the trail days. So we will go out with GDLT for like a half a day and do trail days where we're just, you know, working on the trails, doing maintenance, that sort of thing. We've done river walks and cleanups and different, um, you know, uh, volunteer activities too at um, some of the uh, kind of in-person events and different things like that. But uh, I think trail days is, is ranked by far our favorite. We always are, we always are trying to get a couple of those in a year. So look yeah. forward to having one this spring.
0: Yeah, and it always feels like maybe you just pay a little bit closer attention to to the things that you're doing, especially on like a trail day, like you mentioned, knowing that you know probably most, if not all, of your employees are you know actively using those trails on a on a regular basis.
1: Definitely, definitely.
0: So one of the things I didn't really ask, uh, earlier on when we were talking about kind of your introduction to the outdoors, I was looking at your profile on Wisetail's website, and I see that you, uh, enjoy mountain biking. Uh, mm-hmm. you mentioned the skiing that you love to do, uh, growing up ski racing. So are you actively, uh, participating in, in, hunting or in angling or in any of those, um, activities?
1: Yeah, I would actually say that my most recent passion and what has kind of like developed a little bit more in the past few years is hunting. So, and particularly, I I love backcountry hunting, and uh, we have the opportunity to work with one Montana um, organization this year, and I've just learned a bunch um, through that organization as well, which has been um, has been pretty incredible, but. Uh, yeah, hunting big game has been has uh, been a learning experience over the the past few years, but it's been one that like continues to just draw me back in. So it's uh, it's it's definitely a love.
0: Now, <laughs> growing up in Northern Michigan, did did uh, you have a family that that hunted or or fished or anything like that, or is it something that you kind of just you maybe you you participated uh, at an early age and then obviously once you get into school and, you know, living in California, there's not a lot of opportunity right in that area or is it something that you picked up, you know, kind of once you got to the, uh, the Bozeman area there?
1: I definitely started um, once I got to, to Bozeman area, but I grew up around it. I just didn't actively um, participate in it. And it's actually kind of something that I would think I would like to, as you know, spend a little bit more time trying to mentor because um, my dad was a huge hunter um, grow, growing up and definitely exposed I, I have a sister exposed my sister and i to it and i remember in those very early years like being very very interested in it but then you know i think different different things can kind of sway you out of that whether it's school or sports or or whatever that that is and so i never you know like actively went out and and hunted as as a, a a kid growing up. And I think I look back on it now and I'm like, wow, that probably would have been such an opportunity to learn it at a young age. Right. And I definitely picked it up um, as an adult. And so my hope is that I can uh, give back and maybe do some like youth mentoring and that sort of thing Um, for, I think, you know, for, for probably other, other females as well, because it's, um, if we look at Hunter's numbers in general, they're, they're on the decline, and I would love to to be able to kind of give back to the sport and definitely introduce um, more young females uh to, to hunting so
0: yeah no and that's great and one a couple things better late than never so kudos to you for for you know picking it up you know later on in life i mean that that's awesome the way I look at the hunting community is the more the merrier right um and especially uh females that want to get involved I've had some guests on. Uh, in the past that we've talked about that before and you know uh, right now I believe uh, female hunters are the fastest growing demographic uh, in terms of hunting and you know I know that that can it can be a tough kind of barrier Uh, there's there's a bigger barrier for entry let's say uh, for a female just uh, the way that kind of the the sport has been over the years it's always been kind of looked at as a an old man type of thing right and it's It's just tough, but, you know, there's so many extremely powerful and and great voices out there in the female community, as far as hunters and anglers go, that are really trying to kind of push the envelope and, you know, make sure that that conversation is getting louder uh, and everything so that, you know, females feel like they have a voice, which they absolutely should have a voice and an equal voice uh, in the community, in the hunting and outdoor space. Mm -hmm. Mm Yeah. Yeah. and, And... (laughs) To your other point there, the the mentoring part I think is is awesome because as I get older and I have a couple of young kids and I think back to, you know, I I grew up hunting with my dad and my uncle and my grandfather. And, you know, my sister did to some degree. She was much more into like fishing and stuff with my dad. But Mm -hmm. there's just this bond and this connection that you're able to form that it, it teaches you so much so many life lessons at an early age that i don't think you realize them until you know you're much older whether it's patience it's you know it's instilling conservation uh my a conservation mindset at a young age that Mm -hmm. you're going to hit a certain point in your life where all of a sudden like things just kind of click right it's like you know, growing up, like your parents are wrong and you never understand what they're saying. And then all of a sudden, you you know, you hit your early or mid twenties and you're like, oh my gosh, like everything they were saying makes sense. And and now I completely understand why I couldn't do this or they wouldn't let me do that or why I couldn't drink pop at eight o'clock in the morning or, you know, whatever the case is. So it's, it's, it's kind of in that same boat that there's just so much that can be taught and learned at a young age. And I just think it gives you like so much confidence for, you know whatever it is that you want to pursue, you know outside of, of hunting or for fishing.
1: I I totally agree, and I also think that hunting is one of the most humbling sports I have ever taken. On. <laughs> well, I would say you know, to, so you you had seen the mountain biking videos, and I took a lot of crashes on my mountain bike. I've you know fallen so many countless times skiing, and you know had some wrecks that or like you know stop you in your feet a bit but I will say that hunting uh it, it's it's not even close it is just, <laughs> just when you think you're like maybe getting it, it you know and you're like okay I think I am understanding this and and I'm at least seeing animals when I go out and and then you realize that you have so much to learn and so that's what I think also like keeps me coming back to it is it's just I am so far from being able to even, you know, um, be like master that, the, 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 the that, and there's so much, um, to, to learn. And then, uh, that to me is, is, is the challenge that kind of keeps you, keeps you coming back.
0: Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, there's, as hunting goes, there's far more downs than there is ups, but it's like you said, like, that's what keeps you coming back because, Like I think about, so I primarily hunt whitetail here in Michigan. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it's, you know, depending on the time of season, you know, maybe you hunt for three or four hours in the evening or three or four hours in the morning. It's not necessarily an all day thing like backcountry hunting where you're hiking and and glassing and things like that. But, you know, one encounter, you know, two minutes worth of of activity of seeing an animal and, you know, you, you don't harvest the animal or anything like that. But you climb out of the tree, you're driving home and you're like, I can't wait for tomorrow. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just, it didn't go as you planned, you know, nothing really worked out, but you're just like, I can't wait to do it again. This was so awesome. Like your heart's pounding and you're seeing these animals in, you know, in their, in their natural habitat and they have no idea that you're there hopefully. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just such a cool experience. And yeah, going back to what you said about the mentor thing, that if you can experience or, or help someone help expose someone to those, those, um, experiences. I mean, it's, it's life-changing. It really is. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. There's little in life that gives you that, that true, you know, heart race that, that, uh, a, a big animal coming in or a sight. you know, there's just, there's little in life that you can kind of like replicate that same feeling, that same energy. So. Yeah,
0: I have some, uh, some friends that I do a lot of, uh, skiing with and stuff like that. And we call it the fear giggles, right? Because it's just, you're so excited. You're so amped up, but you're so nervous and you're so scared at the same time. Like, like staring down like a big line when you're skiing or something like that. You're just, you're kind of just giddy and you're like, okay, here goes. Right. And it's, yeah, you can't, you can't buy that in a store. You can't look at that on your phone. I mean, you have to be in it to really, to really understand it.
1: Definitely definitely
0: so one last thing here Allie. before i let you go is do you have and i I ask a lot of people this is do you have like any big outdoor adventures whether it's a a mountain biking trip or a big hunt this uh this fall do you have anything like that coming up that you're excited about
1: that's a that is a great question uh i i will definitely be planning at least a couple of of backcountry hunting trips um this fall and i our tags in montana are due on april 15th so i have a lot a lot kind of riding on how the, the draw comes out with those tags um but i'll definitely do some for me it's really exciting to be able to get back and be remote um in a spot where i'm going to like hike into maybe put up a little bit of a base camp and go out from there um for a you know six to, to eight day um time period and so I look forward to, to being able to do a couple of those um, this fall. I This previous fall in, in 2020, I got back from what I would call like one of those bucket list once in a lifetime experiences. Uh, I actually had the opportunity to go caribou hunting up in Alaska. Oh,
0: that's awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so that one um, for me was, was definitely, I've never experienced anything like it. It was, um, public land and um, you know flew in and did a, a drop um, hunt so um, went in with uh, two other friends and we were kind of you know dropped off in the middle of remote Alaska for for 10 days yes. and the Yukon Charlie and you know we're just we're just out searching for for caribou all day every day and it was it was quite amazing so I and I, I won't be able to replicate that this year but I will definitely get into some, some very remote, uh, Montana hunts and, and try to, um, do backcountry hunts for probably two, two separate, uh, tags this year. So.
0: Awesome. Well, did you guys get a caribou while you were there?
1: We ended up being able to harvest three caribou, So we oh, all that's awesome. successful. Yeah. yeah
0: congratulations.
1: Yeah. Thank you.
0: Well, I wish you the best of luck on your hunts this year. Hopefully you come out, you pack out heavy and, um, uh, I, I really appreciate you taking some time to to sit down and tell us more about WiseTail and your background and your, you know, adventure, you know, that led you to where you're at today. And um, I wish you the best of luck.
1: Thank you very much. And I appreciate your time as well. This was was really fun and uh I look forward to listening to the other conversations as well.
0: So. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime I could talk to a fellow Michigander, it's it's always enjoyable on my end. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, thank you again, Allie. Take care.
1: Yeah, thank you. All
0: right. Well, a big thank you to Allie for taking some time to join me today and tell us more uh, about WiseTail and the great work that they're doing there in the Bozeman area uh, in regards to conservation. I'd also like to thank our partners over at Stone Glacier and Go Hunt, as well as 2% for Conservation. And if you're interested in learning more about 2% for Conservation, you can visit their website, fishandwildlife.org. And there you can see all the certified brands that have committed to conservation that you should support when you shop. I also encourage you to follow 2% on social media where they're going to post only positive content. So you'll enjoy some uh, very conservation focused, positive um, posts in your feed. So again, if you'd like to learn more about 2% for conservation, you can look for them online on social media or at fishandwildlife.org. Thanks for joining me this week, everyone. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Remember, stay safe out there and conservation starts with you.